I want to share something with you uh, just for a little while. We will finish for sort of midday time. Um, out of the passage of the Bible that was read to us from Emma from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Let me tell you a story. There was a woman who went into hospital and she had an operation and while she was having this surgery she had one of those near-death experiences. And, and during that time she meets God. And she said to God, she said, am I, am I going to die? And so God said to her, no, you've got 43 years, two months and eight days to go. So she comes around from the surgery and she decides to herself, well, while I'm in hospital, I, I might as well have a bit of work done. So she had a tummy tuck, she had a bit of liposuction, breast implants, facial image, and uh, all of that was done while she was there. It was the works. She leaves hospital looking absolutely fabulous. She really did. She crosses the road, and as she's crossing the road, this lorry hits her, and instantly she is killed. She arrives in heaven, and she speaks to God. She says, God, you said to me I had 43 plus years, and now I've suddenly been knocked down by a truck, and I'm dead. Why didn't you keep your word? So God looked at her and said, well, I didn't recognize you. <laughs> Identity is important to each and every one of us. At birth, we're given identity. We're given a name. As we grow up, we shape and develop that identity to, to be what we would like it to be. And image and following become quite crucial to the identity that we portray, and things like social media uh, either helps or destroys a person's identity. The, the priest and late author Brennan Manning, he said, the temptation of our age is to look good without being good. We live in an image-driven culture. We live in an image-driven world. Things have got to look good on the surface. What's underneath is secondary, but as long as it looks good, as long as your image is out there looking good, that's what really matters. Well, there was an elderly gentleman who sort of cottoned on a little bit with the whole thing of social media, but he didn't have a computer, he didn't have any technical stuff, didn't have a mobile phone or anything like that, but he decided to write a letter to his local newspaper, and he wrote like this, he says, sir, I don't have a computer, but I was told about Facebook and Twitter, and I'm trying to make friends outside of Facebook and Twitter while applying the same principles. So he says, every day I walk down the street and I tell passers-by what I have eaten, how I feel, what I have done the night before and, and what I'm going to be doing for the rest of the day. I show them pictures of my wife and my daughter and my dog and, and of me gardening and on holiday and sitting by the swimming pool in the sun. I listen to their conversations and I tell them I like what I hear. And I give them my opinion on every subject that interests me, whether it interests them or not. And you know it works. I've already got four people following me. Two policemen, one social worker, and a psychiatrist. I love that man's humour. Now, we had read to us this morning 
this verse. If anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old life has gone and the new life has begun. First thing that that tells me is that Jesus gives us a new identity. If anyone is in Christ. The New Testament was written in Greek and to all non-Christian Greeks in that time, in their literature, the idea of a creator or of creative acts by any of their gods was something that they couldn't entertain. The Greeks believed that in the beginning there was a kind of nothingness that they actually called chaos. And then they believed that suddenly light and shape appeared. So Paul is speaking into a Greek-speaking and understanding world, and he brings something that is completely contrary to their way of thinking, because by contrast, Paul states, in the book of Romans, chapter 1, verse 20, he says, since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. In other words, he's trying to say, all of this did, just didn't suddenly happen. Nothingness didn't suddenly take shape. There is a creator behind the whole of all that we see. And you and I know, if we look at our world, to believe that in the beginning there was nothing and nothing went bang, to me is the height of stupidity. Look at the beautiful mountains. Look at the amazing way in which our universe operates and functions and it continues to faithfully work. And, and you look more and more at scientific discovery and you have to come to the conclusion that there is a creator behind all of this. It didn't just happen out of nothing. And Paul challenges that thought of nothingness by speaking about a creator. He also speaks of Jesus in Colossians 1. He says, for... In Jesus, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Now, you and I know that we live in a broken world that has been spoiled by evil, selfishness, and disobedience to God's word. The Bible says, like sheep, we've gone our own way. We've made our own choices in life. And the Bible says that we all fall short of the standard that God sets. But only Jesus can take the fragments of our brokenness and recreate a person. Only he can recreate because he made us in the beginning and he can recreate us into what he originally intended us to be and he made that possible through that which he did on the cross. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. When a person puts their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, when we come to that point of recognising that our brokenness is beyond human repair, when we come and put our faith in him and ask him to renew us and remake us, then the Bible says it's like a fresh start, or as the other passage in the Bible that was read to us this morning says in John 3, it's like being born again. 
You see, there's no greater way to have new identity than to come to Jesus because he forgives our past and he makes us, he remakes us anew. If anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. In 2016, this man discovered something about his life that he hadn't known. He discovered that his father was not actually his biological dad. Justin Welby, the Archbishop of Canterbury, took a DNA test to prove his paternity. And it was discovered that Justin Welby was the illegitimate son of Sir Winston Churchill's private secretary. When this became public knowledge, the press thought, here's an opportunity to discredit this man who is the head of the Church of England in this country and throughout the world. They thought it was an opportunity to undermine him in his role as a, a spiritual leader and a man who stood by the truth of God's word. But Justin Welby made this amazing statement. He said, I know that I find who I am in Jesus Christ, not in genetics, and my identity in him never changes. What a great statement. And the press had no answer to that statement. There was nothing that they could say. You see, when we know Jesus, when our faith and our trust is in him, when we've received him as our Lord and Saviour, we have a new identity that never changes and can never be taken from us. But there's just one other point here in this lovely little statement. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Because not only does Jesus give us a new identity, but he gives us a new destiny. The old life is gone and a new life has come. I find that most people don't really know where they are going in life. You can make your plans, but none of us has control over our destiny. You see, it's easy to live life like an accident going somewhere to happen because none of us knows what is going to happen tomorrow. And the late philosopher and atheist Bertrand Russell, he said, unless you assume a God, the question of life's purpose is meaningless. And if you take God, the creator, out of the equation, a sense of purpose, a sense of destiny is missing. But the Bible gives us this great assurance when it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all that you do and he will guide and direct your path through life. Job said, God commands my destiny. And God gives us the choice when it comes to our destiny. We either take a gamble and, and try to manage it on our own or we trust him. And taking the gamble and trying to manage your destiny on your own is rather like driving a car blindfold. 
You are literally an accident going somewhere to happen. And that's how many people live today. They don't choose to believe in God. They don't choose to accept what Jesus Christ did, how that he came into the world to be our saviour. I'm going to manage my own life. I'm going to set my own course. But the problem is none of us know what will happen tomorrow. Only God knows the future. And this is what God said through the prophet Isaiah. I alone am God. I am God and there is none like me. Only I can tell the future before it happens. Everything I plan will come to pass, for I do whatever I wish. That's the best person to entrust your life to. Someone who knows the future. Someone who knows our destiny and can plan it and set it for us by our faith in Jesus. The Bible says God has set eternity in our hearts. Therefore, God always had a destiny for us. And if we trust him, if we commit our way to him, then he will unfold that destiny. And he says, I am your creator. You were in my care even before you were born. That's how intimately interested God is in each and every one of us. So, the statement here today is, if anyone is in Christ. We have to answer that if. Am I in Christ? Have I trusted my life to him? If I am in Christ, then I am a new creation. My old life has gone, a new life has come. And God in his love for the whole of creation, gives us that choice to decide if we are going to put our faith and trust in him. Let's bow in a moment of prayer. Jesus, we thank you that you stepped into our world because you so loved us. As we heard read to us this morning, God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus, so that whoever believes in him will have eternal life or will have a new identity. The old will be gone and the new will come. God, thank you that you are so caring towards each and every one of us that in our brokenness and in our mess, you stepped into our world to give us a fresh identity, to recreate what we had spoiled and to give us a destiny where one day we would spend eternity with you. Father, may every one of us be certain that we are in Christ and assured of your love. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I've got a couple of questions just for us to ponder this morning. Okay. You can just have a little conversation with your folks that are near you or turn around and socially distance. Name some of the common places that most people naturally look to for identity today. And then, how is it that our identity in Jesus Christ gives us true worth and significance? Take five minutes just to have a little conversation with each other.